What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know just a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way, I have Jordan Fennell of Legacy Biography. Biographies. Sorry <laughs> yeah. about that. Legacy by blank right there. Uh, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, you are, in fact, one of the first writers that I've ever had on the show. Oh. And uh, it was a pleasure getting your email to my inbox, uh, complimenting my show because we all love hearing about ourselves <laughs> and uh, asking kind of like for the opportunity. So I'm so happy that you're here finally. I'm glad that uh, you were happy to get my email because a lot of people were like, leave me alone, man. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Jordan, uh, for people that are unsure of kind of like what a writer does in this day and age, please give us some uh, information about what your company does. Uh, Ghost Riders specifically. Uh, okay. Well, Ghost Riders, pretty much everybody, if you've read a nonfiction book in the last, I don't know, 50 or 100 years, a Ghost Rider probably wrote it with no credit. Okay especially if it's a tell-all book or a celebrity or remember back in the day paris hilton you know this everything was so hot and all that kind of stuff that's right yeah i'm kind of dating myself there <laughs> but uh do you think paris hilton stopped jet setting long enough to sit down and write her life story mm, very hard no, no, impossible not that she couldn't do it she's smarter than she lets on i'm sure, sure. i would hope but uh <laughs> but these people they have more money than they have time sure. so they hire someone to tell their story jfk did it with profiles of courage um, uh, Trump sure. did it with the art of the deal. People sure. found out later, oh, he didn't write his book. Well, most people don't at that sure. level. But what I specifically do is focus on memoir, okay. people's life stories or biographies for other family members, telling that story for your family or if you want to get your message out in the world. That's what I focus on. That's my niche. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I have to ask, you know, how did you first come across this industry? Like, you know, what were you, what kind of like led to this point in your life? Well, like a lot of things, it's, you know, circuitous way to get there. It's not like I woke up one day when I was eight years old and said, I want to be a ghostwriter. Yeah. You know, like some people say, I, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a lawyer or whatever. Um, I was always a big reader, a big writer. My mom always read to me like when I was even before I was in school. Wow. And I was typing out little stories on this electric Smith Corona typewriter back okay. in the day that my parents had in their little office. So I figured I was really good at reading and writing. I just enjoyed story and narrative. And my family, my dad is pushing 70 now and he has seven siblings. His oldest brother is 86. Okay. And they would all tell stories at family get togethers. And so when I, by the time I was like 10 years old, man, I, already... yeah, I knew what it was like during, during the depression when my grandma was coming mm -hmm. along because my paternal grandmother and grandfather were born in 1918 and 1919. I didn't come along until 87. Okay. You know? So I had this window into the fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties. Sound like a oldies radio station, the hits of the fifties, sixties, seventies and eighties. Right. Yeah. But, um, that world was alive to me. Sure. And. Um, all these threads are going to come together to answer your question. Um, 
but especially my grandfather, James Fennell. He died in 1963 from asbestos exposure in mm. World War II. But there are only two pictures of him. They're not very good pictures, but I know him mm. because of those stories. Wow. Like he's real to me. Like when one of my uncles would tell a story about like playing basketball in the yard with him. And when, when I say basketball, this is before Michael Jordan and fouls were a thing. Sure. So he was like, my uncle was like, you didn't play basketball with daddy. He'd just elbow you in the mouth and take the ball from you and do a layup and laugh about it. And uh, uh-huh. he'd be like, you got to be tough to play ball with me, right? Sure. So that side of him, the mischievous side of him and the loving side of him and all that, I know him as a person, even though I never met him. And I I still see the power of story. Wow. Like that. And we used to do that organically. So I have to ask because, you know, I've been to certain family gatherings and, you know, I, and I think that it's becoming maybe uh, a lost art, this 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 storytelling. Yeah. So how how do these stories start? Right. Like when you guys get together as a family, when you guys sit down, like does somebody just like, all right, this is the story that I'm about to tell next. And there's like kind of like this like almost stage esque type of well, like interaction or what? How how does that work? That's a good question. I've never really thought about the process of how it comes up, and I'm sure every family is different, but it happens more organically. Well, especially if you're, it's usually around food, right? Yeah. And a restaurant, you know, okay. you know the, the what goes around food, the culture around food. Sure. And you know, grandma would start talking about another time they had a family get together who yeah. was there, and then that would bounce from one to another to another. Because a conversation, you know, it's like a tree, it branches off, and sure. you're bouncing from here to there to there. Um, and that kind of thing, I just, I saw the power of that. And I, it was like the movie was playing in my head of all mm. these times. So I got older, going back to answer your question, um, if you can't tell, I've tried to rein myself back in. Oh. <laughs> but um, I went to GSU, I got a degree in creative writing, and Peter Christopher was my mentor there. He passed away in 2008. And putting this love of like, family stories and the history, especially of this area and family histories and the love of writing together, I kind of stumbled on to this later on because I taught high school for a couple of years. Okay. And I love teachers. I love the kids and all that, but I just, the bureaucracy of it. Like uh-huh. I like the entrepreneurial thing because you don't have somebody breathing down your neck all sure. the time, you know? So I looked around and I said, well, how can I help somebody? Mm-hmm. Because as you well know, you're not going to make a living doing something on your own if you're not helping somebody. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what can I do to, in my writing skills to help somebody? And I thought, well, there are plenty of people that they don't know how to, to gather this up. Mm-hmm. Because back in the day, you would be working in the field. You would be, women would be quilting. I met a lady a couple months ago from Woodstock, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about quilting as like this subculture. Mm-hmm. These people go nuts over this stuff. And I yeah. had no idea. But it's getting together around uh, a task and telling these stories and it happens organically like I said earlier you don't really think about it but it does they would talk about the Bible they would talk the women in the family when they were quilting they would talk about the men they would talk about you know Gladys got her hair did downtown and let me tell you what them women were talking about and it would all just flow sure but now we don't have to work in the fields like that That's right. and when we do we have enclosed air-conditioned tractors with GPS and you're by yourself listening to the radio sure yeah you know, that kind of thing um so I got to looking at it and I thought, well, how can I help these people? And then I realized that there is a market for this. There's a, a job. It's, you can go and 
record these people's stories. And I just took my writing ability for granted. I thought, well, why can't they write their own stories? Sure. But like this fellow, this uh, book here, mm-hmm. uh, and God said no. Okay. Recently? Yeah. yeah. Recently published? This is, it was published, it's on Amazon. It's published through Trinity Christian Publishing, which is a subsidiary of TBN, mm-hmm. the Christian uh, channel. Uh, it's a Christian memoir, obviously, by the name. And I found that I really had taken my skills for granted because I sat with this man at his table, 80 years old, had lived an amazing life. I mean, he was in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Bears attacked him in Alaska. Mm-hmm. He lived through an earthquake in Italy. He's almost died several times. Like his dad shot and killed his mom and his grandma wow. in their house. Wow. So he said, why? Well, he said, I'm frustrated. This is my life. Why can't I tell my life story? I said, mm-hmm. because you've been living your life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a weirdo that went to school and got a degree in creative writing, you know. <laughs> you know, and he was like, okay, I see what you mean, because I've met plenty of people way smarter than me. It's not about intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's about experience. Some people just haven't. Some people don't. Um, I've met doctors, lawyers, engineers that they say, when I retire, I'm going to write my life story. Sure. Everybody says. Sure. Out of all of them that try, even start, very few of them can do it. Yeah. Because they don't have the time, they don't have the skill. I mean, you might be uh, able to write a dissertation, but that's different than writing a book. Sure. You know, because the structure of you it have and, to yeah. you have to t- tie everything together. Mm-hmm. And how to get the outline out, how to get it out of your head onto the page. So, what was the first book that you wrote? Well, the first book I wrote was a novel, and it was kind of a uh, racy novel. Oh, uh, yeah? yeah. Uh, I can't, was it spicy? Yeah, that's what the guy <laughs> wanted. It was like supernatural, and there was like all kinds of crazy stuff going on. It was a lot of fun to write. Uh-huh. But it was under NDA. All the people that I've worked with had me sign a non-disclosure because that's another part of being a ghostwriter is the ghost part of it. You usually don't get credit. Gotcha. Except for this book, this fellow, the reason that I'm probably going to talk about this one mostly, sure. if we talk about specific work, is this one because he let me put my name on the title page with him. Okay. Uh, it's TJ Paget with Jordan Fennell. Understood. And anytime you see on the cover, you know, Keith Richards with so-and-so, that's the ghostwriter. Did Understood. 95% of the work. Understood. So, yeah. So, uh, kind of open this window uh, in share with me like this world of ghostwriting because this is like <laughs> a, an area that I have I, I've heard of them before right I, mm-hmm. and specifically uh, I hear more of it in in regards to uh, uh, artists that have like a ghostwriter like rap artists oh, yeah. or music artists that they oh, yeah. have somebody that's you know alongside with them mm-hmm. um, and so you know specifically for biographies like how big is this industry is it like a uh, network Mm. of writers that are working together like how does this work it's like the wild west man yeah there is no standardization there's Uh no standardization in price or how it's structured there's really no way to know how many ghost writers are out there yeah because it's so secretive it is so people don't want other like they don't want other people to know well everybody except this fellow mr paget out of jessup georgia uh, when I asked him about getting credit, he said, well, of course I'm going to give you credit because when this book comes out, people are going to ask me, he said, TJ, you're not a writer. Sure. How did this happen? He <laughs> said, I'm, I don't want to lie to him because uh-huh. he's, you know, staunch Christian. Sure. But most people, they say, well, I don't want any, I don't want anybody to know. Sure. And I've had, there's one fellow who's got way more money than me. And he said, if you tell anybody, mm. if I find out about this, I will sue the pants off you. Wow. And I was like, I like my pants. 
<laughs> and I want them to stay on, you know? So, so give me an idea of how many books that you've been involved with. I, I like, you know, you can give me like a number, right? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Was, okay. So how okay. many, how many books have you ghost written for? Four books and a screenplay. Screenplay. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. This guy said, oh, there's a little aside here. He's like, can you write a screenplay? I'm like, I've never done it before. And he's like, well, I'll give you screenplays to look at as research. And he just started sending me money. Yeah. And I was like, what is this money for? He's yeah. like, to do the research. And I'm uh-huh. like, you're my man. Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. And so, and so, like, I guess I'm curious because it's such a, uh, you said it's secretive, right? Like, yeah. it's very, like, mm-hmm. so do you know of other gross writers? Like, is there a network of you guys that talk to each other? There or? is. Uh, I'm part of a network. That sounds like I'm part of the mafia or something. I like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghostwriter network. Um, and they can send you work here and there and you can apply for projects. But it's it's all very secretive when you talk directly with the client and the network it you know, they take a cut of what you do. Gotcha. And then they come up with the NDAs. It's always mandatory NDAs. Nobody mm-hmm. will ever know who you are, or what you did. Sure. So that's one part of it. There's another way where you can go directly to a publishing house. Uh-huh. A lot of ghostwriters work for publishing houses as employees, and they, you know, throw them a pittance, and they take the fifty or sixty or hundred thousand dollar fee. The publishing house takes that, gotcha. and just throws the ghostwriter enough to live on, you know. Understood. So that works uh, that way too. But also, like you said, with songs, um, they've been doing that for years, even back in the fifties and sixties in the Brill yeah. Building in New York. Like Carol King started out mm-hmm. and um, started out like that, writing songs for other people, but they would get songwriting credit. So the ghostwriter is kind of like that, but they just don't get credit. Because these people can't always just turn on the creativity faucet and sure. then it comes out. Sometimes sure. uh, you're looking for a number one and like I just don't have it. I'm sure. not in my right where I need to be. So this guy over here is a hit-making machine, but maybe he doesn't have the – he's not the total package. You know? Doesn't have the look or doesn't whatever. Doesn't have the look, okay. doesn't have the stage presence, but he's really good at writing songs. Sure. So, yeah, and the the music industry that's been happening for a long time. That's Like you said, especially rap artists nowadays. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. But, you know. So, you know, this actually draws into, you know, the next question. Because as an entrepreneur, uh, as, like, you have your own company, as a ghostwriter, it seems as if, like, it's very difficult for you to advertise. Like, how, how do you get the word out to people that you ghostwrite? Like, you, it, it's not even, like, can you send me a piece of your work? Unless you have someone that just yeah, you know yeah. just gave you permission, mm-hmm. as in this case, yeah. Other, you you don't you don't have that, right? So how do you even how what is your strategy of getting I guess other clients? Well, that's the thing. Um, I'm part of that ghostwriting network, but you can't. I'm not big on sitting around and twiddling my thumbs and waiting for somebody to bring me a client. I like to be proactive and go out there and do it. Sure. Things like this, just sure. getting the word out there, and I'm glad that you let me absolutely you know, come on absolutely. here. Absolutely. Um, and radio shows, especially for this kind of thing, it's usually an older audience. Gotcha. So Facebook, I've run Facebook ads, wasted a bunch of money on that. YouTube mm-hmm. ads, wasted a bunch of money on that because those, you like any business, you have to know your niche. You sure. have to know your audience. Sure. They're usually not going to sign up with you. You have to go to them. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been doing that until I had something to show for it. Sure. Because if you come up to somebody, this, this is not a cheap service because mm-hmm. you're talking about six months to a year. Of, of, just, write, of just writing the, yeah. the research, talking through the stories. Mm-hmm. And this all the way through to publication. Wow. So you're not just giving them a first draft like some ghostwriters will do. Um, so I found that it's best to go in front of people, go to civic groups, go to uh, 
town hall, not town hall, but uh, community events, sure. places where you can get in front of people and have the old school business card. I got the little business card yeah. right here as a bookmark, you know. People are like, business card, that's so 1986. Like, well, I mean, that's just how this works, mm-hmm. you know, especially in small towns, people expect that. Uh, I'd like to uh, throw a shout out out there right now. Um, there's a company called StoryWorth. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you? Like, so yeah. like what they do is they, uh, on a weekly basis, they send out a uh, question to whoever you gift the, mm-hmm. uh, the book to. And after the 52 weeks, after answering these 52 questions that, you know, this app is sending you, it will actually collect everything and then deliver a book. Yeah. Um, but the funny part of this is actually I got this for my mom, mm. um, you know, because like I, I think that her story is fascinating. I, I love to kind of like know more. Maybe there's nuances that I don't know about. So forth and so on that I, I want to hear more. There's about. always something else. Yeah. But but, you know, when she got the gift. The first week she was like, I don't know what I, what to write. The second week she was like, you just need to go ahead and return this because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> really? and that yeah. actually talk, yeah. speaks to exactly what you're talking about, about mm. how difficult it is to write this kind of like, mm. you know, story about your life. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a bit of a, you know, uncertainty, especially in certain situations of how to shape the story, so forth and so on. Mm. And, you know, having somebody that's able to kind of like walk that and then yeah. actually, so what does this look like? You sit down with them, interview? Mm. Yeah, actually, after this, I'm going to be going back to Jessup. There's another business owner in Jessup that signed up with me. Okay. I'm going to be going to his well, put it this way. He said his son is now the owner of it. And I said, so like, what are your responsibilities? He said, basically whatever I want him to be. So <laughs> if you want to come and interview me, um, we can go in like in the back room in, in their store. Sure. And I'm going to sit with him and interview him over probably a month, a month and a half. Uh-huh. Because what story worth, no knock on that. I think any kind of way you can get your story down, sure. whether it's through scrapbooking or maybe that's a 90s thing, <laughs> scrapbook anymore, or doing a, a an interview on your phone, just a video interview, sure. audio interview, any kind of way you can do it, even if it's, you know, competition for me, it doesn't matter as long as you do it. Sure. Because I talked with a lady in Augusta a couple months ago. She said her grandmother died at 104. All right. And she said for 10 years we've been talking about we need to write a book, we need to do mm. this, shoulda, woulda, coulda, because it's something that's not that important until it's too late. Mm. But um, the – the thing about doing something with an actual ghostwriter <clears throat> is they will sit with you and help you, like you said, structure and craft the book. Because with Storyworth, my, one of my aunts did that. Sure. And it's cool. It's, you can read it in her words, mm-hmm. typos and all. You sure, know? That's, sure. that's who she is. You know? sure. um, but it's not going to have the trajectory. It's not going to be shaped basically in a novel structure is what people still expect when you read a memoir like this. Sure. And if you don't know how to structure it, that's one of the biggest problems when somebody telling your story, uh, somebody telling their story, should I say, like my family members who are good storytellers, they can't sit down and do this, not because they're not intelligent people. Mm -hmm. They're fantastic storytellers in a conversational way, sitting here like you and me. Sure. But to sit down and put it on paper and structure it and look at the narrative uh, chunks, units, and then go back and edit it, that's an entirely different thing. That's right. And... If you don't know how to do that, then you're going to have to learn how to do that, or you're going to have to hire somebody to help you with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're exactly right. That It's a different thing. It's a more involved service. So tell me about this, Rena. Like, So what makes a good story? Oh, like, you man. know, like I, I think that <laughs> since that your experiences in this is about shaping and crafting these stories, mm-hmm. what do you think people are looking for 
when they are either, you know, reading something, watching something. Because we, as humans, like mm-hmm. our nature is to listen to stories. Like that's how we learn. That's how we kind of like acquire knowledge. There's something mm-hmm. about somebody's life that has lived, you know, the 30, 60 years that when they're sharing with you, they're compacting all of their life experience into, you know, these like, you know, amazing morsels of knowledge, right? So what makes a good story? Conflict, Mm. character arc. I mean, they would have told us if you go to any creative writing department, they're gonna say conflict, tension. Mm -hmm. It's like music. Uh, So many things are connected. Like when you get into one art, like cooking and restaurant stuff, I'm sure that you see connections with everything else, not to be too philosophical. It's okay. Like the, the, I w- I'm probably speaking out of turn here. No, you're good. The ingredients of a dish, it's like a song, it's like a symphony, it's like a book, it's a story of its own. Mm-hmm. So we look for that <clears throat> even before the written word was created. <clears throat> we learned and we gathered up our sense of identity in story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is the character arc of where are you going? Are these things changing? Where are we moving to? And the conflict, the tension, like I was saying with music, like blues music, you've always got that flatted note. You've got that, as they call it, the blue note in jazz. Sure. It's, a, it's not out of key, uh-huh. but it's a little bit of dissonance there. And just about every song, you'll have something like it. Because if it's too sweet, you know, John Denverish or, you know, something sure. it's just too smooth yeah. sometimes, that's cool. But like rock music, blues, it, basically all American music, even gospel music to an extent, has that little bit of something's not quite right and then it resolves. Sure. So that tension and resolution and back and forth. And that happens in people's lives. Sure. Like this fella, he uh, he didn't start off being the Christian man that he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't living the kind of life. And he his book shows this trajectory of how he changed the God came and helped him in mm-hmm. his life. And he was kind of on the fence about that. He's like, well, I don't want to promote a lifestyle that I'm against now. I said, well, if you're perfect in every way, then how can you teach a lesson to somebody? Mm. If they see that change, that trajectory, that's right. then they can understand that, oh, if he did this, I can do this too. Mm-hmm. Does that in some way answer your question? It does. Okay. <laughs> it does. I mean, you know. It's, it's such a great question. Yeah. <laughs> so like the tension that, that is that is is done, I mean, that has to exist, I think, in multiple different fashions, right? Not only in, you know, uh, biographies, but also like fiction, even, mm. even like, you know, uh, I think food has kind of like you know these elements that are coming together mm. to create that you know swell of emotion and and mm. that sort of thing um you know in in the case that you know in your writing right as you are crafting these stories how much time does it take or how much interview time mm. does it take to get a page of work because i'm sure a like page that, yeah like like th- is it is it like you have to is it does it flow at times does it Mm -hmm. is it easier at times is there some some periods of times where you're not getting anything from the other person man i should have studied for this quiz man (laughs) (laughs) i'm just curious i love the questions i'm just curious um the reason that i charge a flat fee Mm -hmm. because people they'll say well do you do hourly no you don't want me to charge you hourly sure because it's going to be all over the place sure um because there are some weeks uh, i try to do like ten thousand word segments okay but some weeks, like if I do the the outline, some weeks it's like pulling teeth, man. Yeah. It'll be 30 hours for one client's work. Wow. And then sometimes it'll be eh, 10, 12 hours. Oh, just flow? Sometimes. And it depends on what I'm dealing with, too. Mm-hmm. The difficult parts of this book were like the emotionally difficult parts, like the part where his uh, 
his father killed his mother. Yeah. I had to really tread lightly. I wanted to honor what had happened to this man and honor him and tell the story as it happened because you're telling the truth. And there's a reason it's in there. But how do I handle this? I went through draft after draft after draft because I didn't want it to be I didn't want to be in it. That's another thing about being a ghostwriter. It's not your story. Sure. It's his voice. It needs to sound like him. Mm-hmm. So I labored over that thing mm-hmm. over and over because I was like, I have to get this right for this man. Sure. So, yeah, it, it depends on uh, what's going on in the story, how you're wanting to handle it, uh, how complex the situation is. Because there are some situations where you'd have uh, like three brothers. Like if, if this guy hadn't had three brothers who were very similar a lot of times you would make them into a composite character mm-hmm. um, unless there's a reason to keep it, you know, the actual three brothers. We talked about that in a creative nonfiction classes at GSU, and there's a lot of controversy about that. Um, so situations like that, how do you handle it? Going back and forth with the client, asking them questions about, hey, how do you want me to handle this? And, as, and what takes some time often is when you send the installment to the person, they have to read over it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll say, this is great. Don't change anything. Sure. And sometimes they say, well, I don't understand this, or this isn't a word that I would say, or can we change this around? And then you got to go back and, you know, and do it. Re-advice. But in the beginning, you're getting to know them and they're getting to know you. So that happens more often. About halfway through the book, it's just smooth. Flows. Yeah. But yeah, it's different. It's all up and down. Every segment is going to be a totally different challenge. What uh, what's the dream for your company, right? Like so, right now, I think that right, uh, I believe it's you are taking on clients, and mm-hmm. it's a client relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, how many clients do you have at one time? How many could I handle, or how do I? How well, many, do how I many have? can you ha- handle? I guess like what's what, what do you max out at? Well, I would say any more than say four or five is a lot because if it was, I have three different kind of packages. Okay, and one is just for family. Okay. And it's like 100 pages, 30,000 words. This is twice that. It's 200 pages, 60,000 words, edited, formatted, self-published. Well, he went with a publishing company. But if you're taking, if it's the whole shebang, it's more work, it's more time, I'd probably three or four of those. If it was a smaller deal, uh-huh. I could probably do five or six of those. Yeah. Are you planning on ever maybe having uh, team members? Like oh, yeah. other team? Oh, you are. Do you have that currently? Ghostwriter right for the ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. what it is? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what the networks do. The ghostwriting okay. networks. You know. So it's like an agency. And the tricky thing with that, I know people say, well, you need to outsource. Sure. Don't be scared to outsource your stuff because people, they get hung up on their widget or they get hung up on their service. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't possibly hire anybody to do this. It's like saying, well, I have to do my taxes on my own. And it's an actual corporation. <laughs> You're going to lose $100 million if you try to do it on your own. No, That's just right. get an accountant. Yeah. But uh, eventually I would like to have an agency of sorts, uh, something small, lean, mobile, something where I could build it up and do international clients where I could do remote work Uh with them. I like focusing now on this area because it's what I know. Sure. But eventually, yeah, I would, I would see that getting bigger. So is the game in here um, to eventually get to the point where you are doing, like, what's your goal? Like, are you, are you trying to write a memoir for like, you know, Steve Jobs? Like, are you trying to like, you know, get like larger and larger clients? What's the dream for you? Hmm. Well, the dream for the company would just be not so much CEO people. Okay. I mean, that would be cool and all, but there are people that already do that. Sure. There aren't as many people that serve the stories around here. Love that. Real people. Um, 
yeah, that's to do that, but to build it up to where I can kind of pick and choose out of the the people that I want to work with sure. and have the other people do say the the smaller jobs, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But they, the problem with that is I would have to vet those people, those gotcha. writers, because I don't want for like with this, I don't if my name's on it, I want it to be right. Sure. Especially if I'm doing it for somebody else, because that's another step. If it was my own book, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm writing it for you. I want you to be proud of it. I want me to be proud of it. If I bring somebody else in, I'm, I'm going to have to put them through their paces, man. And it's hard to, like you said earlier, it's hard to vet that person if they don't already have something like this. Sure. You know, I mean, you can get somebody off of like Upwork or Fiverr to write your book for you for $100 and write yeah. a, I'll write you a 100,000-word book <laughs> in a month. The, Typo, they're typos really on and there, all. yeah. Typos and and all. I've had to, to, a lady came to me, she had that done, and she was like, hey, can you edit this book? And I said, this is just incomprehensible. Yeah, I don't I understand I it. Even... And she said, well, I I just thought I wasn't smart enough to understand it. Yeah. And I was like, I felt so bad for her. I'm like, man, I might have to rewrite this whole book. She said, I already spent $500 on it. I said, you're going to spend about 50000 rewriting it, yeah. too. Yeah. She's like, well, I guess I won't do it. I'm like, I can't help you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, people get taken for a ride with that kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, if as far as bringing somebody else in, it had to be somebody I really know. Yeah. I mean, there is a creative writing department at GSU. Yeah. And that would be somewhere I would possibly source people from, but that's in down the line. Got yeah. you. Got you. How long have you uh, been in this business? Mm, full time, uh, just the last year and a half. Wow. But, but off and on since 2017. 2017. So it's only been, you know, a fre relatively fresh company, right? Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and then so, you know, uh, in terms of like full-time, you said about a year and a half. Mm. When did you make that move to go full-time in this? When I ran across this guy mm -hmm. from Jessup, it was just, I have, I've never spent any ad money on a client that I've gotten. I mean, I, I've wasted a bunch of ad money, but this guy was friend of a friend of a friend. He came along and we quoted, I quoted him a price. He didn't blink an eye. He actually went above what I quoted him. Mm -hmm. So I had the funds. How do, I, yeah. how do I get a client like that? Please, please <laughs> let me know. Well, if, I mean, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but, you know, I think there was somebody, a higher power helping me out. Because yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah, that does not happen. He, well, he, he had wanted to tell the story for many years. He had had people try to help him and it just didn't work out. So... A friend of a friend of a friend, I came sort of highly recommended to him, sure. and he was like, well, you got a degree in writing. I like you. Uh -huh. The big part about it, I went to his house and sat with him. I was from the area. Sure. And he said, hey, well, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And he was motivated. I mean, he was called, he feels called by God to tell the story. Sure. And spread the message. And he's he's uh, donating all of the funds to charities. Wow. Or charitable organizations. Wow. Um, so I think that's, once I had that capital come in. That's right. Um, I looked at it and I said, if I can do this, mm -hmm. I've done this in the past, but it was kind of up and down feast and famine kind of thing. And I thought if I can take some time and learn how to market this, mm -hmm. I can help some people mm -hmm. and I can do this for real. Why not? Which was really nothing new for me because I quit my teaching gig. Where were you teaching at? I was teaching at Jeff Davis high okay. school. Is that local? That's uh, Hazelhurst, Georgia. Okay. Um, Nothing wrong with that gig, but it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided, you know, I had put everything together, and I was like, well, this writing thing, I need to figure this out, this ghost writing thing. Because um, I had, by that point, I had thought that's what I wanted to do. But I wasn't sure. 
So I moved back in with my parents for a little bit and then moved up to Statesboro because I went to GSU here and I liked it. I moved here with no friends, no connections, wow. no money. And within five months, had a client on the internet remotely. And, but I didn't know how to keep that marketing going. It was just kind of a luck thing, fell into my lap kind of deal. But once the capital came in from this, and he was good to me with this book, I saw that there was something I could do. And then I, I took a, like a coaching class online from somebody that I really respect. And they said, well, what you're doing, you need to go out and do it old school. Mm. You need to get in front of these people. So I thought I was armed with the knowledge and the capital to be able to go out there and do it. You know, because if you're working a nine to five job, I couldn't come up here and talk to you. That's right. And I couldn't drive to Jessup. That's right. I couldn't go do this and that. I wouldn't be available to do this. So, yeah, that's what started me off. I took that another leap, take the risk. Do you remember taking that leap? Do you remember what you were at emotionally? And how you felt because you know this channel is really meant for entrepreneurs people Mm -hmm. that are you know either thinking about going into entrepreneurship or people that maybe are in entrepreneurship so we Mm -hmm. all have this moment in time that Mm -hmm. most of us have experienced of like like jumping off that cliff right and so how did you feel in that moment in time exhilarated and terrified (sighs) at the same time at the same time so how you know I I think that this this point is so important and I always try to ask uh, people that come on to this show is like what ultimately convinced you to just go for it? Because, you know, this feeling of like, okay, so excited, right? You're, you're like, man, this is what I want to do. Passionate, right? Mm. But then at the same time, it's like in the back of your mind, you have this voice that's saying like, okay, well, what, what if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out, right? Mm. So at that moment in time, how did you push past that to break through and just go for it? Well, it's... I could go on and on about the answer to that, but I think our world has changed. Mm. The world, how old are you? How old do I look? I don't know, 30? Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> so you know as well as I do that the world of, say, my parents, are they're not quite 70 yet. The world of, say, our parents' generation mm-hmm. doesn't really exist anymore. Mm. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Um, and I don't see... My temperament is not one to work a nine to five job. It's not because, you know, some people would say, oh, he's lazy, he doesn't work a job, you know. Uh, but I don't, uh, I just want the freedom mm. to call my own shots. Sure. Um, and I thought, well, I can't depend on the world of my father because he worked at UPS for years. Mm. It was a very good job. But if you look at those jobs, like around, uh, well, the railroads and places, a lot of these places that used to sustain these small towns, another 20, 30 years, they probably won't be here. And what so is going to get replaced with? This is so interesting. Because, like, I mean, I mean, what you're saying mm-hmm. is very profound, yeah. right? Well, I think um, either there won't be a need for some things or AI will come in. I'm, I don't think AI will, you know, will end up in Terminator 2 or something, <laughs> you know, looking for Sarah Connor or nothing like that. But I think it will change the world. And I think if you can't adjust, you're going to die. Not literally, but your career's gone. Your money is gone. And people that, I don't mean to be a, a doomsday person, but I think if you cling too much to the nine to five job, which is there's no nine to five anymore, it's eight to five, eight to six. Sure. I have a friend who is very highly qualified with an advanced degree. He's been looking for a job for a year and a half. Wow. Keeps getting turned down, keeps getting turned down. 
And I looked at that and I thought, well, that's not the way to go. That's 20th century thinking. I have to go out here whether I want to or not. I've got to figure out something to do mm. because I'm about to be 36 years old. What am I going to do? Go back to school and mm. get another college degree to go out there in this job market? I don't know. Yeah. No. And I don't no knock against people that do that. But for me, I, I no. So it was the fear sure. that pushed me. Mm-hmm. That and I thought the freedom. If I lose, I lose. If I win, I win, and it's on me. I mm. want to take control of this. And yeah. was that always kind of like in your blood? Is that something that always existed? Like you <laughs> having the ability to call that shot? I th- I think so. I think it was having to shed a lot of – well, you're from around here originally. Yeah. Um, you you probably picked up on this too uh, – Maybe not your family, but just kind of you pick it up through osmosis. It's like, don't talk too loud. Don't mm-hmm. say that. Uh, get the good job at the mill. Mm. Um, have 2.3 kids and the white picket fence and the golden retriever in the yard. Nothing wrong with that. That's the sure. American dream, brother. Sure. Why wouldn't you want that? Sure. But the um, it, it's playing it safe, you know, and that worked, and it still does work. Sure. But I don't. I don't know that I ever wanted that. Like, I looked at my family. They're not entrepreneurs. They're good people. Mm -hmm. I learned to play the guitar. I'm a self-taught guitar player. Mm -hmm. and played in a band since right out of college. Still play with them boys. Yeah. Um, The lead singer is now the principal at Jeff Davis High School. (laughs) He helped me get into (laughs) my teaching gig. He's he's still a little bit upset with me as I left. He's Uh like, man, you you looking for a teaching gig? (laughs) Well, but uh, I love him. Um, But, yeah, that, that world... I never really wanted a part of that. Sure. And I've always kind of felt guilty about it. Like, why can't you just do like other people do? But then after a while, I just leaned into it and said, you know, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to do it on my own. And if I win or lose, like I said earlier, it's going to be on me. Sure. I'm taking responsibility. I don't want to have to be, you know, like when 2008 came along. Yeah. And when can we say the word, the C word, the cerveza sickness, <laughs> you know, um, don't want to get canceled or nothing. <laughs> um, when that came along, a lot of people understood that their jobs are not as stable as they thought they were. Sure. And it's and it's terrible because those are things that are completely outside their control. Sure. They didn't deserve that at all. Sure. So I looked at this and I was like, if I can be lean and mobile and I can uh, can make a living and help people all at the same time and call my own shots, yeah, I think that was always in me. It just took me a while to to do it, mm. to make, like you're talking about, make the leap. Yeah. But it's worth doing. Yeah. If there's no guarantees. That's awesome. That's the thing, man. It's like, I wish jumping off into the deep end, somebody had been like, oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. And everybody tells you, oh, you're going to be okay. But, you know, there's a lot of people starving on the streets in Nashville. They're the best musicians you'll ever hear in your That's life. Right. That's but right. they didn't make it. They weren't called up to the upper echelons of right. CMT or whatever. Because they right. didn't have the look. That's right. You know? That's right. So, but I... It's been worth it for me so far. That's awesome. I, I love what I do. I love when I wake up every day. I love my life. What advice would you have somebody, for someone, an entrepreneur, maybe a ghostwriter or mm. a writer? Mm. What advice would you have? Somebody doing what I'm doing? Or that's wanting to try to get into the space? Ooh, I would say if you're a good writer, that's well and good. So is everybody. But what you really need, because my uh, – Professor Peter Christopher, he said, there are people who can outright me any day of the week, but there are very few that can outwork me. Mm. So my change up to that would be 
you might be the greatest rider in the world, but nobody cares if you don't have this, the soft skills, the people skills. If you can't go to this man's house, like I did with this fellow, Mr. Padgett, sit with him at his table with his wife and talk with him and get, get his story and earn his trust, earn his trust, mm -hmm. because you're an inter interloper. Sure. You're nobody. He has to get to know you. This is his life that he's trusting you with. Get those skills. Because most riders are introverts. Yeah. I mean, I can come here and do this and, like, turn it on. But then uh, later on today, I'll have to just, like, unplug and chill out and recharge because that's just how I am. I've mm -hmm. come to terms with that. But a lot of riders, they are the introverted types. Sure. I mean, everybody wants to be Hemingway and go, you know, kill lions or whatever. Well, you can't do that anymore. I'm not <laughs> You know, be the man. I'm Ernest Hemingway, you know. Uh -huh. But not everybody can do that. No, but everybody has a personality for that. A lot of artistic people, writers, musicians, they're really introverted people. you got to work on the soft skills and you got to work on the marketing. That's right. The best advice I've ever heard is in a business of any kind, whether it's a little small kind of solopreneur thing like I do or something more expansive where you have actual W-2 employees, um, marketing. Yeah. Seventy-five percent of everything you need to, you're doing needs to be marketing. Yeah. Because if you're sitting there talking about, oh, I'm a really good writer, I'm a really good writer, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to pay you for what you do. I mean, you can write fan fiction all day long for fun. Sure. But then you got to go to a day job, and that's fine if that's your life. But if you want to do something like this for a living, you got to help people first and foremost. So you got to get in front of those people. You got to talk to those people. And that's the scariest thing for a lot of writers talking actual people. Talking to people, no, I just want the clients to come to me. Mm. And that's how they end up on Upwork and Fiverr, and they get paid $500 for six months' worth of work. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound too pleasant. <laughs> Especially, it's yeah, it's a race to the bottom on that kind of thing, because there would be somebody from, I don't know, uh, another country uh -huh. where the American dollar is much stronger. Sure. And they're like, yeah, I'll write your yeah. book for 500 but They'll live for six months on that. Sure. You know? sure. So it's great for them. But if you're an American first world person, it's like you need to learn the marketing, learn the networking. Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, I'd have been terrified to come here and do this. Really? Re seriously. I would have been like, oh, a podcast. Uh, and yesterday I was on the radio, the morning show here in town. I was like, I, I thought about it on the way up there. I was like, there's no way I would have done this two years ago. Wow. I'd have been terrified. But I looked at it and I said, it doesn't matter if you want to. You need to do this. If you want to live the life you want to live, you need to do this. And as I've kind of reshaped my mind, I've met great people. I mean, like you. Like, I made a new friend today. That's right. You know? That's I right. Hope, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but otherwise, you, you can't. You can't just sit in your house and expect the clients to come along. It's yeah. like in the dating world, you know, sitting there just twiddling your thumbs. I hope, you know, my perfect person comes along. It's like, that's right. You got to go out there and do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's huge. You know, I, what I what I do see time and time again with entrepreneurs is that they find a way. Yeah. Regardless of whatever it is, whatever challenges that come, you know, you talked about conflict earlier. Mm -hmm. That conflict of like, I don't know what what is next to do. Mm -hmm entrepreneurs time and time again will push them to the limit to mm -hmm. overcome to achieve more and that's exactly what i see kind of like happening in this case so and that's the ones that can take the rejections mm -hmm. and keep going yeah. those are the ones that survive yeah because anybody can go out there and try and get shut down and say oh i guess i'll go back to doing what i was doing before but it's the ones that get knocked down over and over and over and get back up that's the ones that are gonna make it that's huge uh jordan at, at like you know 
what is how do people get in touch with you like what is the best way for them to kind of like if they are looking for your services uh is there a, a website is there an email address how do they get in touch with you probably the quickest way to get in touch with me is email i'm an email guy like i said i'm a writer you know um jordan j-o-r-d-a-n at legacybiography.net not.com okay dot net okay or you can just call me or text uh-huh. me if you're a texter at 912-318-8508. And I do have a website, legacybiography.net. And there's a, curiously, there's a backslash at the end of that because uh-huh. I'm not a website designer. Uh-huh. I'm a writer. Okay. You know, I need to get better at okay. that. But legacybiography.net with a little backslash. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, Jordan, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. You as well. Um, I had a phenomenal uh like you, you definitely opened my eyes to the world of ghostwriting. Uh, and we didn't even get into AI. And that's that right. Changed. That's oh, right. Oh, that's man, right. Yeah. That's a whole. That's, that's a whole another yeah, one. It's another conversation. Um, but you know, in here, I think that there's amazing kind of like things that you're doing for the community. Uh, it, this, the stories in this community are impactful, and I think that they mm. often get uh, overlooked. And the Absolutely. fact that you're spending so much time um, and effort to not only tell these amazing stories um but that you not not like having your eyes set on kind of like the larger scale but really kind of like you know taking the stories from this local market Mm -hmm. and putting them on like a higher platform Mm -hmm. i think is absolutely amazing i mean that is something similar that the reason why i do my show is because you know i have that opportunity to maybe speak with you know people that are here in the local market And I think that that's a huge uh, inspiration to all of us. So thank you for the work that you did. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate it.